Blog Talk Radio. Yakuza! Yakuza! Yakuza Kick Radio! 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 This is the bulldozer, Matt Tremont. That there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m. Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on this is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Klein, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your gym, fella. This is Greg Excellent, Spirited Dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn and you have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Man. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on this cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you couldn't. Now look at that jockey, homie. Fuck that. Black dude. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. Yo, what's going on? Another Yakuza Kick Radio back here. J. Cat Morris with you. Um, this one's going to be, you know, a lot more laid back, a lot more, um, you know, the last one I kept it really serious. I, I, had, I came on to the show, I plan on, uh, you know, going over these different things, maybe burying this or burying that, because I had a lot of, like, wrestling stuff that I saw floating through that I just thought looked like total shit. And, you know, I, I like to talk about that from time to time. Um, but, you know, I just started going down the path of the things that were going on with me personally. And I just decided, you know what, let me just stay in this lane because I could easily just continue where I'm at and fill a show. Which allows me to, you know, kind of keep all of that other nonsense away from real life stuff. Because, to me, that's the thing that people keep... Um, misconstruing with me is they think that I'm dedicating a lot of my time or that I'm saying things uh, about wrestling to just to hate or to get attention or to and like if you really pay attention to my life 
you'd know that's very, very far from the truth. Um, wrestling for a long time was one of my favorite forms of entertainment. Um, right now, hands down, my favorite form of entertainment, I mean, nothing even comes remotely close, is 49er football um, and football in general. So I, I couldn't be more excited for the football season coming up. And I, I have more things to say about football than I have to say about any other form of entertainment. I don't even really watch movies for the most part. Um, we actually, me and the wife just watched, um, uh, I think it's called Vacation Friends. It's like the John Cena joint from like fucking two years ago or so. We watched that last night, and uh, I thought that shit was hilarious. That's the type of silly shit I like as far as a movie goes. I'm not into horror movies. I'm not into, like, suspense and this and that. I'm not super into the superhero shit, because I used to like superhero movies. But um, they all got dramatic. They got the Hulk in a fucking sweater vest at the coffee shop. They got fucking, you know what I mean? They have interventions and meetings. And, I, look, I, I'm not looking to see this, you know? I just wanted to see, like, the the action, you know, like the loose base story, but in the same token, just, uh, and I really liked, um, Gotham. Gotham was the TV show that I really, really liked. Um, I just thought that was really well done. It was the right amount of, amount of violence and storyline and, and it was dark. It, it focused on the villains. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just, I just really liked the way that they created that storyline and everything. Um, it was identifiable, you know, that's the other thing that I think works a lot for me, um, is identifiable, you know, like if a video game came out and it had, um, you know, a bunch of random characters and you can make your own and stuff like that, or it had like the Mario characters, I'm more likely to play the one with all the Mario characters because I already know I'm going to go with Bowser or Donkey Kong or some shit, you know, so it becomes just a familiar thing, um, so, I don't know. I, I, I just like, like, lighthearted movies like that. I, I generally don't watch a whole lot of uh, movies in, in general, as you see. Even even that being something I'm kind of into and I think's fun, um, that came out two years ago. So, just shows you. Uh, Movie-wise, I don't watch much of, um, not too much of real episodic TV shows. That's why I always bring up Gotham, because it was kind of like the exception of shows like that, because I just don't watch anything like that. Um started watching Twisted Metal. Twisted Metal, um, I think they fucking lost me. Um, I really wanted to like this badly, because I like the old school game, and I was like, alright, cool, and then Joe's the, the, I guess, the body of Sweet Tooth, and then they have Will Arnett's voice. So I was like, you know, really, really wanting, and he's like the psycho killer clown, and this and that. Well, a couple things, like, bumped me on this was the dude that they have, the um, the main character, he's got that, like, goofy, like, oh, man. The only way I could describe it, and I don't know how many people are going to get this reference and, and know exactly what I'm talking about, but Marlon Wayans really recently did uh, a bit on the Will Smith and Jada thing. <laughs> and he did this thing where he's like, <laughs> and he, like, kicked his feet. And he said, that's how Will Smith laughs. And the way he did it, he did, like, a great impression of it. And you just got it. And to me, that, like, it defined, like, a type of comedy. Almost like dad joke, 
you know, but like in a situation of a movie where it doesn't really fit to like weasel it in there, just to just to have this silly ass joke. And I felt like everything that that dude was doing that was jokey was like that, like <laughs> you know, <laughs> just stupid goofy ass comedy where I was like, all right, you know, let's get past this real. Back to the story because. That shit wasn't really that funny, and it was way misplaced. Like, in the middle of a shootout, like, making silly-ass jokes. Like, eh, come on, man. No. So, um, that I didn't like that writing of it. I thought that was silly as shit, because some other parts of it were kind of cool. Like, okay, this this whole um, country's, like, gone to the wasteland, and then there's little sectioned-off parts that are, like, you know, like, gated cities and shit, and you can't get in there, but the outlaws are doing the deliveries for the cities. Like, this shit's kind of wild. And then you got, you know, like, these different drivers and, and sweet tooths out there just murdering motherfuckers. So you go, like, all right, that's that's pretty... I'm in. I'm listening. And um, and then, like, they bust into that shit with the sweet tooth. And, you know, no spoiler alert, because, I mean, I really only got through a couple episodes. But, um, and, it, I mean, if this is a spoiler, if anything, it's saving you. So they, they get to this point where, like, Sweet Tooth is about to kill this fucking guy. And then, like, I don't know. They make some kind of connection over the fucking Dong song. Like, so they, in case you didn't hear me, they made a connection over the Thong song by Cisco. And um, this is what made Sweet Tooth not kill the guy. And then they kind of cool because of that. So then we find out that that's, like, his jam. And they, like, really connect over Cisco. But then, like, they use that same, like, turn the radio on and there's a silly-ass song on in, like, probably another two occasions as well. And I was like, all right, like, they're overplaying the shit out of this joke. Because, you know, you've seen that in movies before, you know, where some tough guy, you know, turns on his, his uh, oh, I got the preset station here. It only plays what I like, you know, and then they turn the shit on. Or, or when Terry Crews dancing the fucking white chicks. You know, all of it, like, that's that same, like, out of character, oh, shit, and then that's the the comedy, you know? They've used that so often, and these cats used it in, like, three episodes, and I think all three of the episodes I watched, if not closer, two in one, some shit like that. I, like, loosely, without even trying, counted, like, three times that they did that. So that's all I'm saying. So, I don't know. I, I think I'm all out on that, you know what I mean? Like shit like that is just corny to me, but I say all of this to say that, like, wrestling-wise, it's become not the thing that I watch anymore, so, like, I've talked on this show because I, you know, I went to it, I, I attended wrestling every single month, front row, for over a decade, and, you know, I got to see the Trent Acids, the I mean, the list goes on and on from the Steens, the Genericos, the Zandigs, the Lobos, the, you know, from old school deathmatch to, you know, all time greats, you know, the, the people who wound up on TV in the main event, you know, you'd see them on the low end. So, of course, those things are cool, too. But there were the times, of the, you know, the outlaw shit, real outlaw shit, not fucking, you know, feel like... <laughs> You guys ever see the South Park episode where they're on the, the um, I think they were doing the crab fishing, and they were like, uh, 
Yeah, we're pirates. And, and one chick keeps going, we're pirates? I'm a pirate. That's what I feel like like the Danny DeMonos and the like those cats are doing now. Because back then it was legit. It was like, it was legitimately, you know, you're Ian Rotten, you're John Zandig's. You know, those guys were doing the deathmatch shit. Those guys were doing it as well as, you know, presenting it. But even they were smart enough for the most part to keep it in certain lanes, to keep it in certain, like, boxes where they had the main event or they had one crazy deathmatch show where there was three deathmatches on the show. But usually it was one to two. They had it usually strategically put so you'd get one before the intermission and one at the main event. So that way the cleanup was was reasonable and it wasn't just a garbage heap for the whole show. So there was like a rhyme and reason for why a lot of things were done, Um, which, you know, at the time I wouldn't even know that. I would just go and then this was cool and that was cool. And, you know, even as immature fans, you would go, man, I wish there were more death matches. It'd be cool if they just did like a whole show of death matches, right? So, you know, but as years go on, you start to see the imitations of these things roll out. You start to see things kind of run its course. Wrestlers retire. Wrestlers go on to other avenues. Wrestlers die. So it starts to, you know, really wear on you as you you mature, you hope to at least. And you start to see these things really develop. And real life really takes it, you know, it, it goes from the person you were talking in the parking lot with about the match and, you know, um, what did you like, what didn't you like, busting their balls about this, they're talking shit, you know, you're, you're sitting around smoking blunts and, and talking, and this was the the scene back then, and I know a lot of it is still, you know, a lot of it is still that way, where there are those scenes with the drinking and doing drugs with the wrestlers and stuff, but, you know, um, it, it goes from, you know, having those times and those moments, and, and then, like I said, you know, drinking, I'm over 10 years sober now. So I don't, I don't look at like those those things as like, yo, I wish I could be doing that because it's not, it doesn't appeal to me anymore. But there was the time you stood around drinking with these guys, and even as far as memories, that's just kind of cool, you know. Hey, I hung around with this guy, and we talked about this and this, and you know, in the moment it was great. I would never want to do any of that again. To me, it sounds like a terrible fucking thing because just I'm in a different space in life right now. So I do understand the younger crowd still wanting to be part of that and still wanting to be part of this atmosphere and and all these things. But as I matured, I started to look at it like really like this is gross. You know, there's a difference between when you're a kid and there's an adult who lets kids drink at their house and things like that. I was just talking to my wife the other day about this, like, you know, we probably all know, like, the the parent that was, like, cool and would, like, let the kids curse around them or they would uh, let the kids drink in their house or smoke cigarettes or whatever at a pretty young age. Like, there was that one parent that didn't give a fuck and they were so cool. But now, like, when you mature and you have kids and then you look at that same thing and you go, like, you know, I'm, I'm going to send my, my 13-year-old twins over to such-and-such's house because we know the parent, and the parent is good people, and, you know, we've we've known them for years or, you know, seen them in school for years. They've always been upstanding parents. This is the type of thing we look at, you know, because we're sending our kids off to their house. 
we're far, far detached from the part where anything is cool about a kid letting kids drink at the house, you know, a, a parent letting the kids drink at the house, because I find that shit out about my fucking 13-year-old, you know what I mean? Like, there's this cool parent who's, like, slipping my kid fucking shots when they go over there to play with the, you know, with their kid. Uh, there's going to be fucking violence, you know what I mean? That ain't cool shit no more. So, you see, there's a different perspective as you get older and you mature, and, and you see life in a different perspective. You know, it was it was cool and it was fun and games, but I also watched a guy fucking die. That I, I talked to Trent every single fucking show. This doesn't make me his best friend. I'm not trying to say any of this stuff as like, um, you know, uh, uh, I got to do this or like a badge of honor or anything like that. But I'm just telling you how it affected me personally. Because if anyone hasn't heard the story, we... Uh, started going to CCW based on going to um, local shows. Uh, Donnie B, he, uh, Nova's brother, he would run shows, um, Big Buck Promotions, and then he started, um, he went from that to Phoenix Championship Wrestling. And he was booking, like, Christopher Daniels. I didn't know who the fuck Christopher Daniels. I didn't know who anything was. I didn't know what the indies were. I knew WWE stuff and some ECW stuff, and they would bring in those names sometimes at the top of the card, and you'd recognize this guy or that guy. But I'd go to the show, and then all of a sudden, you'd see these guys in the mid-card, the Trent Acids, uh, the Backseat Boys, the um, Rick Blades, Nick Burke. Like, these guys would be on the mid-card. You get Christopher Daniels, Samoa Joe, um, you know, Low-Key, Homicide. Like, these guys would be all over the card, and you'd... You know, as a wrestling fan, you go, these fucking guys are good. Like, you know, they, like I've said a lot of times on this, <clears throat> again, redundant for anyone who's listened to a lot of my show, but for anyone who hasn't, what the fuck, um, there was a ladder match, and it was uh, Rick Blade and Nick Burke versus the Backseats. And I didn't know that at the time, but they were pretty much taking this match, like, on tour. Like, they, I guess, got the spark from Edging Christian and the Hardys, and they were just doing more innovative shit with that ladder match because at that time, you know, Edge and Christian and the Hardys were considered some of the top tag teams out there because of their feud and their ladder match and the, the innovation that they were bringing out there to that match. So when you had um, what the backseats were doing and, you know, Rick Blade was out of his goddamn mind. So he was doing swantons to the floor where Kashmir would move off the ladder and in front of, like, 65 people, like, in a fucking high school gym, he would just fucking swanton out of the ring onto a metal ladder that was braced between two chairs and the guy would move. So it would just be him and the fucking ladder to the floor. So they were doing that, like, this whole thing. And, you know, they would later on do that match and, you know, sub out. Nick Burke for um, Mondo in the Cage of Death match. But they were doing this because they had this chemistry and, and really liked doing these ladder spots and all this. And they just blew my mind. They were like, yo, where can I see more of this shit? And I started talking to them after the show, you know, after going to these shows. And they're like, oh, dude, if you like this, you'll like, um, you'll really like CZW. So, yeah, they got Tajiri and um, Super Crazy coming in, and uh, their champion's name's Justice Payne, da-da-da-da-da. They give me the breakdown on some of the guys. 
so we went out there to Sewell for crushing the competition, February 2001. So from that point, you know, going forward, not only did I have, you know, that front row access to all these cats, because we sat in the, you know, second or third row, whatever, for a handful of shows, and then we were pretty much front row for 10 years, the better part of 10 years, with an exception of, you know, one or two shows that we we weren't. But um yeah, it was it was pretty much monthly. And um and plus lots of other shows, Jersey All Pro, Ring of Honor, um, you know, some of the Japan stuff that would come over here, um IWA would do a double header or IWS would do a double header. You know, we were around for all of that stuff and um that was just like my favorite period of time for wrestling. You know, I got to see it all right there. Um and it just there was just no outdoing it. There's parts of that that still exist and things that I like that still exist, but it's few and far between. It's not enough for me to, you know, and then the atmosphere, like I said, is not for me anymore. So the same people that are the age I used to be that are there getting drunk and high and shit and, like, having the time of their life, man, I'd rather, you know, take a fucking bong hit, eat an edible, and sit here and watch some shit on my couch. And go, oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't really like the way this show's going. Turn it off and play Madden. Like, you know what I mean? Uh, or, or just be fucking home playing Madden or uh, or Overwatch or even better, fucking Mario Party with all my kids, with my kids sitting there on the couch. I'd rather do all of that than be meeting Jun Kasai again. You know what I mean? I met the guy like five times. I think he's the god of deathmatch wrestling. But I don't even care to meet him again. You know what I mean? So, you know, when you're at that point there, it's just a wrap, you know? So now I watch it from a very, very outsider's perspective. And I've said time and time again, I am not your demographic. I am not your your deathmatch fan that you're even catering to because I'm not paying you, you know? I'm not, I'm not the one. So I, I don't know why my opinion carries so much weight with these people, but it does. Um, as I said before, I don't, I don't listen to any podcast to find out what Danny DeMano might have to say about me because I don't give a motherfuck about what Danny DeMano has to feel about anything. I don't give a shit about his feelings. I don't respect him as a human being. I don't think he's, he's a good dude. I've said that for a long time. So I don't respect him at all. And he said really disgusting things to me. So like, as far as, like, when his name comes up, I guess you'd say in that aspect I have a grudge where I'll say some shit about him just because that's how I feel about him, and fuck him. But I'm not saying that as, like, yo, all I do is sit around and think about Danny DeMondo all day because I, I don't at all until someone sends me, look what this goofy motherfucker's doing because, by the way, I'm not alone. That shit isn't just me. <laughs> like, there's, like, inside joke shit going on about a lot of fucking wrestlers that that's half of my fucking entertainment right now as far as deathmatch wrestling goes. I swear to fucking God, there is a large, large, and I, I don't know if you guys know this on the deathmatch side of things, guys. Um, there is a large part of the people who watch your videos and like your videos and share your videos that are solely watching it for comedy. And I'm one of them. When you fall off of a fucking balcony and bounce off of some shit and hit the floor, 
it's fucking hilarious to me. And that's what your scars are for. At this point. It's a dead art. At this point, it's a dead art. Everybody tried so fucking hard to be cool that they made it uncool. And it was something that no one had to try to be cool. They were just themselves. And the bad motherfuckers shined through. And that's what you supported. Jun Kasai was Jun Kasai. That's why he was fucking cool. He cut his chest with the light tubes because he was the crazy monkey. And only a crazy monkey would do some shit like that with glass. And then everyone did it. And guess what? It was the least fucking cool thing you could see. Because now everyone fucking does it. I, I mean, when I started going to CZW and uh, you started to hear the nicknames and shit, Nick fucking Gage and Rick fucking Blade were the only two fuckings in the company that I knew of. Now you can go down the list and there's 89 of them because everybody's fucking something. And a lot of them don't look like they're fucking anything. So... I mean, that is what it is. Not that, you know, that was the basis of Nick Cage and Rick Blade at any given point at all. I'm just saying. But, um, it's, everything has just been done to an extent that it's not fun anymore. The, the deathmatch scene has turned into fetish porn, and that's exactly what it is. They do too much smiling and laughing and enjoying and uh, relishing in the moment of the glass and the cuts and the brotherhood and all of that. And it's gotten to the point where they could barely fight back the tears to even get back into the dressing room before they melt. If there's a chance where the mic becomes present after the match, there's going to be a babbling fucking something you know, everything has been killed. And I just truly feel that way. And the the bigger problem that I've had with it is, as I said, you would stand around and you would talk with these guys and you would have a great time just, just being around. And, you know, I'd from meeting Trent and Johnny at the fucking Tom's River here and there to, you know, every single month at Viking Hall, you know, talking about the matches that they're having with the hate club and the the briscoes and uh vd and these crazy fucking matches and then trent's feud with homicide and like just being there for all that shit and and being able to talk to these cats and then watching watching this this guy go from the guy that we would routinely smoke a blunt every fucking show to smoking with this cat and seeing how hard, knowing that, you know, he had been struggling with the with the shit, with the heroin. And smoking with him the one time and knowing when I did that I'd never see him again. It wasn't, he was gone. Because it was like any other time, you know, sitting there chatting. You could see how fidgety he was, though. You know, you could see he was way off. And, you know, he smoked a blunt, and then he immediately was just like, yo, you got more? Like, do you have more? Like, do we got to smoke more? And I'm like, bro, I don't, man, like, you need to get, 
you need to get help, bro. Like, this shit is, like, I could just see the way he's reacting. It's just not, it's not satisfying that fucking itch that he had. And I just, I fucking cried on the way home from Viking Hall that night. Yeah, I was, you know, high and drunk and all that too. But in the same token, I knew in that moment I was never going to see him again. And I didn't. And uh, that bothered me. Uh, there, there's, like I said, a million people who are way closer to Trent than me, and by no means am I trying to paint myself as the net was my guy. But, but realistically, as far as wrestling went, as far as, like, the guy who led me to all this shit that I watched all down the road and was, was one of my favorite guys to watch every month and was the guy I would seek out personally to see every show with a big smile on our faces and we see each other, you know what I mean? Like, shit like that, like, it's a connection, it's just a fan thing, but in the same token, like, that guy's gone now, you know what I mean, so, seeing other people doing the same shit, walking the same type of paths, seeing more and more people die from that same circle, and then just going, like, yeah, gonna get his shirt, yeah, man, do your fucking thing, nah, man, what the fuck, reality started to really, really lean heavily on this shit, you know, after my sobriety. When Nick Gage came out of fucking prison, he was shot out of a cannon. He was he was riled the fuck up. He looked he had the prison prison training body, you know what I mean, all of that. And he seemed motivated. He seemed really, really amped up. But by the time I think it was TOD. Didn't he do that one, TOD? By the time that came around, you could see he he already shifted. And I started I started to call it out. I started to talk about it. And people would call me a hater and all this other bullshit. But, um, and I, I was just like, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, you could see when someone, like, is coming over to see you. And there's not, like, an agenda, you know what I mean? Because they kind of scour the area, and if there's not, like, blunts and, and drinking and all that shit going on, then, all right, let me go check them out over there. You know, you can see, like, someone has an agenda. And when you're fresh out and you, you just did years, fucking years, for robbing a bank in broad daylight because of your vice, you know what I mean? Like... I don't think that you should be back to getting any kind of fucked up. That's me. That's me, you know, having 10 years of sobriety, you know, from my vice. That's that's me doing that. I did five years of just completely straight edge to make sure that I got my fucking mind right. This cat spent all that time in there. And then came out and was like, shit, where the shit at? You know what I mean? And you could tell... There was there was moments that you could tell exactly the lanes he was in. And then I sat there, the Nick Gage Invitational, and got the news. Nicky's not here. Don't tell anyone. And I just sat there with a fucking smirk on my face. While they fucking while they fucking sat there and chanted Fuck the police. Like there was some crazy injustice went on. This man sat incarcerated for all that fucking time. 
come out and find a better way. And then because he violated, fuck the police. That's, that's not taking responsibility for your actions. And these are the type of things that I matured. I fought through real actual struggles, real hardships in life. And I had to better myself to get through those things in my life. That's how I got 10 years of sobriety. When my friend Melanie, just this past year, died, she was one of the, one of the people I would drink with 10 years ago, over 10 years ago. She's dead now. She was younger than I was. Women outlive men. Do all the, all the math, all, the, all, the, all that you want to do. She's dead. And I'm not because I found that I had to mature. I had to do better. I had to learn from mistakes, not only others' mistakes, my mistakes. And that's what I did. So I speak from my experience. I speak from my opinion my opinion is based on my experience and what my, my brain tells me based on the things I've seen and learned over 45 years on this planet. And as I've said on this show, I am just one jerk from Jersey. Take it for what it is. I feel how I feel about what I see, and that's what my show is, is me talking about what I see. So I'm going to call it exactly like I see it on all these things. And people aren't going to fucking like it because it's not what everybody else is going to tell you. I'm not a mark. I was a mark. I was a guy who would jump up and down when I heard the fucking Gage's music. I would show up to the show dressed like Trent Acid. I got a, sh- I got a picture of me and Trent. I got the fucking silver shirt on. My fucking teeth are showing. I'm so fucking happy to be standing there in the fucking picture. You know what I mean? It's 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 not mean anymore. I don't, you know what I mean? I, I I um I started to get back into wrestling a little bit. I was watching AEW. I saw the uh Forbidden Door. I got really into that. Watched a couple other things after that and then I some just did some I don't know. I I definitely hit a mental low and during that I, I wasn't interested in any kind of wrestling, but also like I I don't know, like something about it took a turn too. Um I don't know if Omega got hurt, but um, it looked like they were gearing for Omega Osprey 3 in London, and then they, they changed it now where it's, uh, I saw it's um, uh, Osprey versus um, Jericho. Oh, I don't give a motherfuck about that. So I'm glad because they just saved me money because I'm, I'm not paying for Jericho versus fucking anybody in fucking 2023. So I don't give a fuck what anybody says. There's there's zero chance that I want to see Chris Jericho and, and Will Ospreay. Uh, like, if they had that shit on Wednesday, I, I'm not going to go out of my way to watch it on Wednesday for free in my living room. Like, I'm not. There's no fucking way that I pay for that. So, um, yeah, I, I don't know. It just doesn't appeal to me. And that, I saw, like, the GCW show this past weekend. I didn't see it, see it, but I saw that it, that it existed. And um, nothing appealed to me. The only thing that kind of appealed to me was uh, Tony Deppin versus Alex Zane. And I was like, well, you know, my Niners preseason game was on, and I just didn't want to spend the time trying to hopefully find that match amongst the card because I didn't care about anything else on there, like anything. Um, I looked at the card and was like, just deathmatch, deathmatch, deathmatch. And and I just, most of it was just not not what I want to see. And, um... 
you know, it just wasn't for me. I and the other thing is too is um the other part about wrestling that I really like to see. So I like to see like the killers, you know, the the Chris Dickinsons, the Dan Moffs, the you know, and now it's like Dickinson's gone from wrestling and um you know, Moffs I just came back I guess in XBW or something. So maybe you get a couple good matches out of that. Hopefully they'll throw like a Masada and, and Dan Moff match out. And I'll watch that if I can. Um, but again, it's not really like such a necessity. Um, but I don't know, you know, it's just, um, I, I more or less see things through clips. Uh, a lot of times I'll see the clips that happened years ago. Um, like that, uh, I think that cruel one was actually more recent, but there was uh, another one I saw recently that was like, oh, the um, Tremont fell fucking sideways, like through his hip, through the fucking uh, barbed wire in that uh, fucking circus room in the uh, showboat. I mean, that shit looked fucking crazy, man. Like, I don't know. That shit doesn't appeal to me. Like, I laughed like, <laughs> I laughed like, like I just saw a fucking video of someone like, busting their ass going to turn the sprinkler off. That's that's the same fucking reaction I get to like major fucking injury causing bumps in wrestling now. I don't know. I it's just and to me that's ruined. That's not what it was supposed to be. So now it's just like everything's a joke and it just is what it is, but I don't know how to turn that off and take it seriously again. So that's that's where I find myself um, not paying it any respect because the guys aren't paying respect anymore. The girls aren't paying respect anymore. Here and there, but like, eh, I'll do my best to suspend disbelief for that specific match. But, I mean, that person's going to blow their own fucking cover by the time the month is out with the fucking social media and, the, you know, I don't know. It's just not for me anymore. Not on that level. And I, I'm going to explain a lot of this shit and how I feel about it. I'm going to take a break. Uh, hit a track. One of these tracks. Um, got a lot of good music out lately. And I, I want to, uh, you know, share some of that shit. So, wish there was an easier way to put music on here. There probably is. I'm positive there is. But anyway, check this out. I'll be back. Watch your jacket. It's filthy. No. I swear to God. You're talking to God, Mitch. So you might as well swear to me. Nigga. Motherfucking cowboy. 
boy. I know it sounds crazy, but you haters, I be phasing out. I do it on the daily. It's amazing when they raving about my skill set. God bless if I'm not ill yet. Step into that place next is no stress. No stress. At all. At all. What At does my soul swallow? Watch out for the plain clothes. Move smart. Mistakes is hard to change, though. God forgive me. I used to want my chain froze. Gold diggers follow rainbows. I had to change goals. Every time I change flows, niggas get their feelings hurt. Labels go funding me. It gotta be a million worth. Never catch me off guard. Look a man eye to eye. Shake it with a firm grip. I'm talking about the 45. God, God, all they want is signs. Niggas scared to love they bitch. I be flaunting mine. Facts. Wide open, I'ma score this time. Touchdown, about to spike it like a never mind. Fine wine, writing better lines. Until my niggas living better lives. Can I live? Hey, gamma five gamma. Translation, I'ma step for mine. I don't think you want to jeopardize at all. Blessed is he who in the name of charity shepherds the weak through the valley of darkness, for he is truly his brother's keeper and the finder of lost children. And I will strike down upon thee with great vengeance and furious anger those who attempt to poison and destroy my brother. And you will know my name is the Lord when I Yeah, see, that's um, Ferris Blusa right there. That's his newest shit. Um, what the fuck is the name of that the album? He just came out with that, like, last week. Forever is not for everybody. Uh, Ferris Blusa's been dropping a lot of shit over the past, like, couple of years. Um, and still a very slept-on cat where he doesn't... He doesn't get nearly the uh, credibility a lot of the cats do. And that's because he's from um, New Orleans. So because he's from way out there, he's got a very similar East Coast kind of Griselda-ish, you know, uh, style and, uh, you know, beat style that he, he picks. So I think it appeals to a lot of the same crowds. But, again, for those same reasons, he just doesn't have the same exposure. Um, but, yeah, he's one of those top cats. Um, so, yeah, let's get into some of this shit here. Um you know, and just to, to conclude what I was saying before and, you know, with the trend and all of this other stuff, and this is this is just why, you know, because I saw and talked to and, and, you know, spent a minute with a lot of these guys, and then you just, when they're dead, I, for me, as I mature, it becomes harder for me to just put on another guy's shirt and just be like, let's watch this play out, because... If you do actually invest in this, if you do actually invest in these people month to month and and how they're going, you know, what's going on, and if one of these guys gets hurt, you're fucking checking on them, and, hey, man, how's the leg feeling, you know, da-da-da, all, all this. Like, if you're legitimately investing in this, it should 
start to affect you. You should, you should start to have um, a little bit more sadness about the cause to the effect that's been so bad. You know, so when you see so much of the, the results of what's happening and the results are bad, this guy's dead, this guy's strung out, this guy's really fucking broken, this guy's, you know, when you see enough of that, I think a human reaction should start to be like, I don't like seeing guys put themselves through this shit. Like, I don't. I don't know that I, I'm having a good time watching this happen. You know, I, I, I watched this guy get cut and then put up a GoFundMe because he just said, like, this keeps him from his regular job and, like, he's going to lose his job and then he can't, he can't pay his bills and he's going to lose his this and that. And it's just like, oh, fuck, man, why am I clapping for this guy putting himself in such a risky life situation? Like... And then we're going to talk ourselves into this world where it's like, yeah, but I do it for you. I risk my whole life for you. And it's like, well, I don't think I want you to do that, bro. I don't think I want you to do that at all. So if that's the, if that's the uh, agreement we're signing on for, for me, you're going to put your whole fucking life and, and, and mental well-being and, and um, financial well-being and, and all that shit on the line for me. And I'm, paying $25 and and I'm just going to watch this and I'm going to go back to my life and shit like I'm not living my life for you so I I don't really expect the entertainer to do that shit for that reason either because to me I think that's irresponsible behavior once you get to be an adult you go like I can't support that that's crazy like if your kid decided now, I'm not talking about the fucking deathmatch wrestler that wants their kid to do the same shit as they did because they're not living a logical life. So I'm not talking to you. But I'm saying like a normal human, if they go like, yeah, my kid wants to go cut themselves in front of 150 people. But, you know, the thing is, is like if they do really good and they get over being like a really sick motherfucker and like really bleeding a lot and like the crowd likes it they might be able to go bleed in front of, like, 800 motherfuckers or 1,000 at this other joint out in the middle of a field. People get fucked up out there. Like, that, that is not what you want your fucking kid doing. Let's, let's live fucking reality on reality's terms instead of fucking the, this, this fantasy world where you're like, yeah, brother, for the business, and they like, shut the fuck up. Like, you know goddamn well this shit is insanely irresponsible and careless. So if you're a mother, if you're a father, and you're leaving your kids to go dive in the fucking glass that you don't have the money to pay the bill of if some bad shit happens, which, I don't know, I think the chances the bad shit happens goes up when you just dive into scissor boards and glass and fucking, you know. I I mean, I'm just not a scientist, so I can't be sure if that's accurate, but I'm pretty sure your odds do go up on needing medical treatment when you increase the sharp objects you fall into on a regular basis. Um, So, you know, again, I I have a hard time. And the other thing, I have a hard time, you know, dealing with it, knowing that, like, this isn't just going to be okay for these people. This is the beginning of a bad thing and, and and a rough end, most likely. 
the odds are in the favor of tragedy. You know, um, and when we got into this, when we got into this deathmatch thing, to be honest with you, the entire pitch was these motherfuckers really know what they're doing to make it look like they're dying and they know how to fucking take this and they know how to do that and this and this. And now I'm just seeing where shit is absolute chaos and don't nobody know how to take shit because you get gashes that you need fans to pay for. You know what I mean? Like, and you're breaking your fucking leg sideways and you're doing this and you're doing that. You know, um, I mean, accidents happen, of course. But I just don't get the same vibe as when, it, you know. And, of course, you know, back then accidents happened, too. I mean, there were plenty of, uh, you know, freak accident shit back then. But, again, now you're upping the frequency of everything. So now it's just the injuries are going to be more. The, the Everything is just going to be more because you're doing more of it. And it, the overkill just causes too much. And now you're getting pretty major injuries on, like, dark matches. Like, fuck. And even if it's not a dark match, if it's match three out of five death matches or six death matches, you're getting lost in that. You're getting lost in that show and no one's really going to remember it. People's attention span aren't that, isn't that wide that they're going to remember the, the specifics of six death matches. I'd say four out of six are getting lost, especially if two kill it. You're getting four of those completely thrown in the garbage. You know, uh, Danny DeMano jumping off a fucking balcony or, or some stupid shit like that. That's some shit that just no one will ever know or care about and your knee will hurt forever. You know? You know, and, and that's the shit where, like, I, I can't do anything but laugh. Because you guys know, you guys know the fucking drill here. And you just keep doing it. And, hey, you know... I can't buy it if you're not selling it. Statement I could give you. Because ain't nobody selling shit anymore. The product isn't constructed in a way where you want people to believe it or you care. When I criticized the way the fucking guy's move was done, you attacked my fucking cancer. You attacked me having a fundraiser that my friend put up for me because I got cancer. Because I criticized a move being done badly in the wrestling ring. That, by the way, I'm still getting notifications. I since blocked Danny DeMano because I, again, don't want to hear his opinion on anything in life ever again. I don't give a shit what he feels about the fucking type of milk he likes to fucking drink. I don't give a motherfuck about what Danny DeMano thinks about anything in life. So I don't seek his opinion. So I was like, okay, so if I block him from here, I'll never see him again, right? I moved on. Like, I, I wasn't, like, on the thread going, let's see what he says next. But I don't give a fuck. So, but why I bring that up is I still keep getting notifications that people like the comment of me saying how shitty that move looks. I think it's at, like, fucking 43, 42, 43 fucking people have liked me saying how shitty that move looked. You know the thing that you you attacked me and said that my cancer was me fucking up in life? You remember when you said that because I said the thing about the move? 42 motherfuckers apparently think that that was a good fucking comment on, on what was done there. 
it, that's fucking silly to me. You know what I mean? But I'm the asshole because I said that about your fucking precious wrestler. And rather than going, dude, man, yeah, that was a little blatant. Let's fucking tuck that in next time we're going to get jerked off on the internet calling us out. You know, that's the way you fucking handle it like an owner and shit. And you can still say, hey, this guy's a jerk off, but he's going to fucking call us out on shit that really happened. Not he's going to make some old bullshit up and da-da-da-da-da-da. Like, I didn't do any of that. This thing where Danny goes like, oh, you're, you're trolling the pages. I don't troll anything. I don't fucking troll anything. I don't even know how I saw that because I don't think I follow that page. But, like, if someone that I'm friends with likes the page or likes the, the, the video, it'll be in my feed or some shit like that. And sometimes like that. Like, things like that we send to each other and laugh at. And that morning while eating breakfast, I was like, this shit is retarded. And I just, I just had to comment. So I did. And now, what, fucking a month Two months later, people are still liking the fucking comment, and this guy's like so butthurt about it that he's got to come at me about that shit. Like, okay, I mean, it is what it is, but I'm going to still call everything the way I see it, just because this is how I see it. Um, speaking of Demon, let's just go through the rest of this fucking Demano shit because I, I, I'm so done talking about this fucking guy. Um. So if anyone saw it, DJ did like a DJ did like a karaoke in the ring. Um, I mean, he's up like like a hundred, like he's up a good hundred pounds, like on some real shit. Like that dude, when he got fucking canceled, and he had to like fall back and let like Shannon run the company or whatever the fuck he's doing over there, and then he's like, I'm just gonna make most of my roster black so it'll look like I'm part of a movement even though I was the guy that the movement was against like five minutes ago so I'm just going to do this and if the company looks like that how who's going to go out of their way to shut down a company that's given all these guys a platform you know so that's that's how I felt about it from the start but like this DJ I mean he's just you know now they're going to do TOD again which you know come on TOD, it's, I guess I gotta bring that up in a minute again, uh, but I'll get back to that, but, so DJ was doing some kind of karaoke in the ring, I don't fucking know why, I, I don't, I don't fucking know why anything with DJ, but he was doing karaoke in the ring, sing it, I, I want it that way, with the, um, Dude from the the uh, Osterian Portal. He's one of the trainers there, and like one of their champions, and all of that. And uh, you know, like it's corny, but it's it's DJ, so it's like, what do you expect? This motherfucker pretty much ran that company over to Maryland and shit to run Shindy shows. For a group of people who are going to care enough about what he's doing and pretend like he's building some new shit. Like, dude, you're not even going to address taking a massive step back as a company. You're not competing. You're not on the fucking WrestleMania weekend shows anymore. You're not, you're not really killing it at all. 
but you're still doing like a subscription service, and it's just all weirdo shit. But that's DJ. I can go on for days about that fucking guy and just the buffoonery that goes on amongst that. But so I guess stemming off of that, I see a clip someone sends me, five people fucking send me, of Danny DeMano in a folding chair in the ring with the same fucking song playing. And Mickey Knuckles doing a, a strip tease on him, acting like he's, she's about to take her shirt off so they could do that really old gimmick. You know how, like, they would do the thing where, close your eyes and pucker your lips, and then they bring the dog over and the dog will lick him in the mouth. Or, you know, like, that. just like, again... <laughs> that same fucking Will Smith humor, like that joke in the middle of a shootout, cornball shit you've seen a million times. There's nothing authentic about this fucking goddamn comedy bit. And again, like, this is one of the silliest comedy bits, period, because your hot girl in the beginning of the bit is Mickey Knuckles. So Danny's going to close his eyes. So Mickey Knuckles can take her shirt off. So then they bring in Muffins, I think the kid's name is. You know, the kid that looks like a little, um, I don't know, like another one of these little, like, roadie kids. Like, he looks like he carries amplifiers and shit every weekend. Like, just drag suitcases and amplifiers and guitar cases and drum boxes and shit. Like, this just looks like what he does. Um, that looks like what um, Hamhead fucking Chris Grasso, that looks like his calling in life is to, like, drag other people with some form of talent shit in and out of the building. Um, but he looks like another one of those kids. And um, so he comes in, and now he's on Danny DeMano rubbing his tits in Danny DeMano's face. I'm only bringing this up because this is the guy who went on the internet, not only mocked my cancer, but said that, like, cruel, wait till I show you on Friday when we hang out this guy's puppet videos. Oh, we're going to laugh. I'm going to make fun of how just immature or silly this guy what this guy's up to is just so, oh, we're going to laugh at him. And, like, this is what you find fucking entertaining. You know, like I said to begin with, I wasn't upset that you didn't like what I was doing because I never wanted you to like anything I'm doing. I never strive to impress people that I don't respect. But but then you, you, you of course, just go, okay, well, I've recorded that. I, I see you made that comment. It gives a fuck. But then I, I, I look at your next actions, and I'm like, you got to be fucking kidding me. Oh, so let, let me get this right. You guys will sit together and laugh about puppetry as a whole, like just puppetry as a whole. Um, I don't know if you guys are missing the things that are going on around you, but Allow me to point some of them out. Um, one being um, your your business partner, Matt Tremont, 
um, Lulu's in the warehouse with the dog. Um, well, he had a promo where, well, it was that Sean Henderson kid who doesn't look like an athlete and never will. Um, he was cutting the promo, but, um, Matt Tremont was sitting pretty much over the top of the dog, just out of camera shot, but except for his hands that were working the dog's mouth, while he was, um, I guess puppeteering his dog, and, um... I don't know if you guys watched that. I, I don't. I don't know if you guys watched that. But like, if you around you that do things like this seriously in any given way, shape, or form, and I understand that was supposed to be some form of joke, but I, I do mean that in that aspect too. Like, if you attempt comedy, and your attempt at comedy is is what I saw there, I don't think you have a leg to stand on. To, to, to talk about a, a single thing that another person on the fucking planet does. Because your entire fucking comedic sense is garbage. That's why you're not a comedian. That's why you, you're a wrestler. That's why Tremont lives in a warehouse. And that's why Danny DeMano had fucking Rob Black come over here and take everything he wanted right in front of him. And there's nothing Danny DeMano could do. But he'll argue with me on the internet about my cancer because he picks his battles. You know what I mean? These are the people we're talking about. These are the comedic geniuses we're talking about. And again, this isn't me putting myself over saying I have some shit that needs to be respected. But, you know, as as Gorilla Nems would say, don't ever disrespect me with, you know. And then after that comes with, with what the fuck you're doing. Like, don't ever walk around looking like that shit and disrespect the fuck I'm doing. Because you got to do better before you can start talking, you know? And this is the card that a lot of you motherfuckers play in the wrestling business. If you haven't wrestled, you shouldn't be criticized, in which I always thought was fucking hilarious because you never say that shit to the guy that tells you you're the most awesome wrestler ever or that was the greatest match ever. You don't go, hold on, you can't rate matches because you haven't wrestled. But if you go, that was the worst shit i ever seen, they'd be like, what do you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's it's uh, it's a very selective um, handcuffing they attempt to do of the fans. Um, but again, I just say, you know, you can't judge a fucking thing that I do in life if I put your entire catalog together and you can't match up to what I do, because never mind if I, if I choose to be a wrestler or not, because that's not a qualifying mark for me. I think my whole thing is just my opinion is as valid as you allow my opinion to be. And I'll fucking speak on it. And if you, you can't have that opinion because apparently I can, and it bothers you that I do. So what do we do next? You know what I mean? But, you know, my, my thing overall is just like, yeah, man, like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make comparisons, because, again, never mind if I choose to be a fucking wrestler or not, I'm 45 years old, I just fucking had a foot of my colon removed in October, 
and I'm a better athlete than a whole lot of you motherfuckers, and Danny DeMano very, 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 very much included, because there ain't a motherfucking thing that that dude is going to do athletically that I can't, you know, because like I said, I'm not, I'm not in a place where I give a fuck about wrestling. I'm not dedicating time or energy into learning how to do this or do that. This dude did that for 20-plus years, and I see the product. And believe me, that's not the product you'd get out of me if I put 20 years into anything. If I put 20 years into fucking anything, you're not going to reach that level. You know what I mean? You're mediocre after 20 years, and that's... That's that's the hand you've been dealt, and that's that's how hard you've worked to get better, to get some kind of main event status, to have it where these deathmatch tournaments, because now you're apparently a big deathmatch wrestler or across the board, it's all deathmatches. Um, you know, you would think that all these other companies would want you involved since you're the guy and you've been doing it for 20 plus years, except for no one feels that way about you, but. Um, yeah, it's just it's just it's just comparing this to that. That's why I, I just see shit like that and I'd be like, These are the motherfuckers with shit this way? That's interesting. So, um let's go on to uh uh, uh Chondo. Let's go back to the the C Z W uh the tournament of death and Chondo again, um decided that he wanted to write a fucking essay on why he wants to be in TOD and please put him in TOD. And I could not be more, like, just disappointed. And and I had no expectations for this guy to begin with. Every time this shit comes up and stuff like this comes up, Chando balls up like, like like the victim and like why is she saying these things or why what did I ever do to him and the thing is is just I've had multiple people who are a lot nicer and a lot more um, friendly when they review things and they've said that Chondo is one of the worst deathmatch wrestlers they've ever seen so if that's the case but he keeps putting out these pleas that I need to be in TOD because it's a dream of mine. And the first time I, I such and such happened and that happened. And then I got, I, I don't know what the fuck goes on with this guy. But like, again, everybody seems to know the speed until it applies to them. He's been a fan of this shit for so long. He knows that if you go blow the fucking doors off of any other tournament, so. Someone's going to book you in their tournament, including TOD. Tremont runs tournaments like every Monday or some shit. You know what I mean? I I don't even know what the fuck or when the fuck he does all this shit, but it's a lot. And I'm pretty sure he's been put over in one or two of those tournaments, and no one's talking about it. So, like, that hasn't gotten him into the fucking ICW fucking title picture, because that's all death matches. So he he hasn't made a name for himself in his fucking house. Like, he's not a household name in his own house, let alone fucking anybody else's house. 
but he's just going to keep putting out these pathetic begging fucking, why? For fucking what? What is TOD? I don't understand. What is Tournament of Death right now? Last year, they were walking out of a dumpster to fucking come into the ring. And no one's like, hey, that was the greatest. You know, we talked about it. It was what it was. It wasn't a terrible show. But in the same token, like, eh, for so okay. The fucking production went way down. CCW does not do that anymore. So then they bring in pretty much an entire tournament full of people that they don't use regularly just to put on it again and be like, we're badasses. I'm a pirate, you know, because this is just what the fuck they do. And I, I just, again, you ain't selling it, so I ain't buying it. And um, this fucking guy, you know, wants to be in on the fucking, and just for what? For you to later on be like, yo, I got into the TOD. Remember after I, I wrote that fucking essay begging them to put me in there? Remember after the first time that they ran a gimmick, and the gimmick was that you had to write an essay to get into TOD, and then you did, and you got into TOD, so now you decided, oh, this one's a shoot, clearly, that that was your road on the last one, too, this shit looks insanely pathetic. And that's a lot of this shit looks insanely pathetic, and I can't I can't just fucking sit there and go, yeah, well, hope that kid gets what he wants. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? This guy's a good artist. This guy's a really nice kid. Like I've met him before. He's a fucking nice dude. I, I you know, and then he gets into this like I'm a deathmatch wrestler world, and it's like you don't have to do that. And then if you do, and I call you, if I review the, you the way that I would anybody else fucking stepping in the ring, and I'm like, you're fucking terrible. Like, you don't look like you should... You... Go help fucking uh, Muffins carry that amp over there. You know what I mean? That's... <laughs> Go give Muffins a hand. His back looks like it's going to give out on him. It's his third show this weekend. You know what I mean? These guys are doing triple header at the garden. You got to fucking help him with that amp. Um... I just, I, I can't with this fucking guy. Um, Johnny Cashmere is doing a fucking tag team seminar with the uh, the other guy. Maybe that's why they were doing the karaoke, because that's the song they used to come out to with um, Donnie B on the indies. But not the song they came out to in CZW, but why would we use anything that had relevance to the company that they're actually standing in? So I hope I'm right, and that's exactly why they were doing it, because, yes. Um... Um, I won't even know if that was the case or not because that'll be the last to speak of it. Um, so, but Johnny Cashmere doing a tag team seminar, I'm not really sure what that's going to accomplish. Um, I mean, he, he can go in there and tell like what it's like to be in a tag team. He can say what it's like if you get a superstar as your tag team partner. But I don't think, like, going to have a whole lot of how to make a tag team work knowledge because that totally wasn't him that was Trent and, and I'm really not trying to go out of my way to shit on Johnny but in the same token it's like what are you going to tell people because I think a lot of the shit is going to lean in the direction of the role that you didn't fucking play that you couldn't 
you know, you were, uh, I mean, the, the Cash Marinos weren't exactly, you know, lighting the world on fire. Robbie being definitely the weak link in that. And you you didn't take center stage on that and, and, and own that and make that like a real thing. And, you know, it was only known by, you know, long-term time CZW fans and never really went anywhere. Um, you know, he teamed up with, you know, Justice Payne here and there and stuff, and it worked fine, but, you know, he knows how to work a tag match. But, yeah, I don't know. Um, let's talk about Lou Fisto. All right. Lufisto, um, I have a lot of lot of things to say about this Lufisto thing. So she went on uh, Twitter X, whatever the fuck, and started really going in about AEW. Now I'm going to paraphrase on a lot of this because I'm not really reading through exact uh, things that she said or said that other people said, and I know there were screenshots and this and that, and I just don't get that deep into any of this shit. Um, so I'm going to give you... Uh, you know, my version of all of this. Um, AEW was bringing her in for some sort of dark match slash um, potential coaching job. So I guess based on her dark match and whatever the meeting she was going to have, they were going to give her some kind of decision on a dark match or, or a coaching job. Well, she went in there. She had a dark match, which was, I think, a multi-woman match. Um I have only heard from other people, uh, from regular people, from wrestlers, from people of various different levels of expertise, um, and said that there was absolutely nothing special about the match. She didn't display what she was able to uh, with her platform, that she could have done a lot more to sell herself. Um, But again, this is just like the different things that I've heard from different people who have seen the match from some of them are wrestlers and some of them, you know what I mean? So this isn't just me just speaking off the cuff saying, Oh, well, I, I don't think uh, her, her hip toss look good. And, you know, I'm just saying, you know, given for what it was, it wasn't like a mind blowing performance. Like how dare they not hire this girl. Right. So then the other thing was, was she said there was a real shitty attitude in the locker room. The girls really kind of sabotaged her, uh, sabotaged the match, so the match couldn't be as good as it was going to be and everything else. So um, one thing I have to say right from the start is uh, Lufisto, she's missing something huge in that um, this is life and no matter where you go, like imagine a situation where you're, you know, you're a long time worker at your job and so is, you know, some of the others there are long time workers. Some of the others are, you know, new hires that have uh, risen pretty fast in the company. Some are, you know, rookies again, who have a, uh, you know, good potential, but they have a, you know, real seemingly a, uh, good line in the company to to head in the right direction and others maybe hey maybe they're being booked above their skill level maybe they're they have a great spot and um you know maybe they're not as good so i'll just speak generally in that in that sense because like this can apply to any any business any company so 
you get someone who's going to come in and you know, like, this person's uh, uh, been doing this a long time. Their name's pretty known. Um, they're coming in for a dark match and a potential coaching job. Now, a coaching job that maybe some of these other women have been offered and, and, and are also um, interviewing for. Maybe some of these um, girls wish they had the offer, the, the opportunity for this job, but they don't. So now because they don't, they, they hold a grudge against this person that's coming in. Maybe some other people in the company feel threatened that this person is coming in because their spot is now, um, you know, uh, uh, at risk. Well, to expect, like, um, a warm welcome and kind behavior across the board, knowing that these different dynamics exist in every job, especially if you're talking about a big enough place where all of those dynamics exist in multiples. You're going to get some people who are more vindictive, more likely to, uh, you know, do something or even just say something to the boss. And, you know, I don't know about this chick or whatever. And, and if you haven't seen that, I don't know if you've worked in businesses enough. I don't know if you've worked enough in your life. If you haven't seen versions of that in the workplace, then I, I don't know that, that you've really done life very heavily, you know. Um, so... That's my one thing about that. As far as her not getting a job and, and screwed out of a job, I've also heard at times she's not the friendliest, you know, that she can be, she can be great, but also she's very stern and short at times. And um, if that's the case, again, why are they welcoming her in as coworkers, you know? Oh, that would be a beautiful organization if all that worked that way and everything else. But, She's pointing this out, and she's going on and on about toxicity and all of this and terrible work environments and this uh, Tony Khan's terrible and all this other stuff. But, again, she works for Danny DeMano. So when she works for Danny DeMano, um, she has clearly, clearly displayed mental illness. And this is what I've been saying about her for a while is that, like, you know, it was literally, uh, I want to say it was like five days or four days in between her posting on, on Facebook. I have to shut down my Facebook because I can't handle comments and criticism and some of the fans aren't nice and, and I just can't handle all of it. And I just, I have to shut this down and I don't know what I'm doing on my Instagram yet and this and this, like, Four or five days later, she went to Danny DeMano's house with a fucking, uh, with Mickey, who we'll talk about, and, uh, Mickey, and then two dudes, I don't know, fucking, I forget who, maybe, um, the rejects. So they're in there, and they're bleeding their heads off, and fucking, yeah, fucking, and then she takes all these, like, smiling like blood pictures afterwards and then post the whole thing like the next day or the, that day that this makes her feel alive and after all these years and coming back to death matches and this is what's making her feel purpose and it's just like yo this is this is the part that I have a problem with this is the part where the adult responsible mature me says this woman is in her 40s this woman has suffered major injuries. This woman is saying that mentally, I think Facebook is too much. 
too much for me right now. I'm not laughing. I, <laughs> I got a thing in my throat or whatever. Um, Facebook is too much for me right now. And um, I need to back off of this and kind of, you know, focus on my life. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with having the mental illness. This is, this is you know, I am suffering mental illness heavily. But I'm saying a lot of this is because, like, I can't imagine if I threw myself into this type of situation, things getting any better. The same way that I could never justify going back into my alcoholism through all of these struggles because I can't imagine a situation where it gets better. I see the reason for a Band-Aid. I see, I see that. You see, but you have to see what the result of that will be because if the only reason you feel alive is when you bleed in a death match in your 40s, you're going to hit a fucking harsh reality really soon when that becomes not a thing. Or you break your fucking ankle or you do this or you do that and, and you don't get to just go back to fucking work. And now you're out of that too because this one thing makes you feel alive and it's, and it's dangerous to your life, especially when you have a 40-year-old body. You know, but again, you just keep playing, playing life like it doesn't matter. It doesn't exist. None of the rules apply to you. Oh, fucking super outlaw. And then get mad at the world when the shit doesn't work out in your favor. You know, um, I just, I think a lot of, um, especially, I mean, as far as the women's wrestling thing goes, um, I, I am not a huge women's wrestling fan. Um, I'll tell you straight up, Bianca Belair, Asuka, and uh, Charlotte Flair, like that three-way that they had at whatever, the SummerSlam, I think, um, that was great. Like, I could watch that shit all day. Those three women can work, and I can watch their matches. They're creative. They're stiff. They're, they're, um, they're fluid with their movements. They don't look fucking choreographed. They don't look like they're, you know... There's mistakes like anything else, you know, you'll find botches on all of them, sure, but their their whole shit has believability. Um, I will tell you that I have never, ever, ever believed Lufisto's strikes, ever. Those short little chops with their short little arms, where she does the short little half chops, like the fucking, like Eddie Kingston does, or, um, you know, that... That old shit, you know, where fucking uh, Masawa and, and Kawada would go back, or Masawa and Kobashi. Kobashi would go wild with those. But Lufisto's never, I never bought them, you know what I mean? So if that's a big part of her, her offense is these little, yeah, 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 yeah. Like, I, I just don't buy it, you know what I mean? Not to say that everything she does looks like garbage, I'm not saying that. I was a big Lufisto fan. Um,. But part of what Lefisto was, was that chick that was doing the deathmatch stuff and nobody else was. Again, this is big, a big, big part of the, um, the uniqueness of what it was and how it became oversaturated now. And now none of it's that, that fucking amazing. Because if everyone's doing it, no one's doing it. It's just... It's just over that way. And now you're 40. And, you know, I mean, wh what are you going to do that I'm going to see out there that's going to be like, because this is, the deathmatch guys don't stand a fucking chance. There's very few guys that could do something out there that I'm just like, oh, shit, look at this. 
You know, Drake was having those kind of matches because he had those real, real high-impact wrestling matches amongst death matches, and some of them still do. But it's, just, it's got to have a certain flow. It's got to have a certain energy to it. Um, they can't start doing the fucking cut themselves, fucking no-selling everything. Uh, it's just, to me, it kills it. And it's, it's one on top of the other on top of the other. So sometimes it becomes where I can't even watch three matches off that show because if I do, by the time I get to that third one, I don't give a fuck what they're doing. And the third one is the one that, that's actually going to count. You know, and that's... You know, it's it's hard to uh, to give credit where credit is due to everything when it's all just blended together at this point. So I just think it's all for nothing as far as the deathmatch thing goes there for her. Um, she's going to be limited on the amount of actual bumps she could take, so it's going to be a lot of hack and slash and cutting and bundle of tubes here and a kick to this and a that, and, you know, and little double stomp, and, you know, I mean, it's fine, but, again, I just see way more risk to this human being and their stability that they're openly telling people is hanging by a thread. So, as far as I'm concerned, she's working with a complete scumbag in Danny DeMano, but calling out the toxic environment of AEW. So, again, I think this is jealousy. This is that vet bitterness that, you know, wanting the payday they couldn't get. And like I said, uh, you know, that coach's position, that sounds like a fucking luxury position to me. Because if you can lock in as especially long-term, long-time indie talent and then just go and coach girls and send them out on pay-per-views and be proud of them and help to work through their difficulties and make them better. And then when they get all the credit in the world and they're shouting you out at their fucking post-match fucking press conference, whatever the fuck, you know, like this is, this is a nice place to retire in the business where you're getting a big payday, especially off a TV company. But maybe not everybody holds you in the high regard you hold yourself. I mean, the thing is, is this toxic environment, how you're up there for the women, and oh, this is, uh, well, okay, but what was your fucking road? Your road, I mean, to the, I mean I, I'll miss a bunch because I'm definitely not a documentarian as far as Lufisto or I'd say most wrestlers. Um, but I know in Canada she definitely worked her share for um, IWS with uh, Crazy Manny, and their death ma- or their fucking women's division, as far as I know, was her and Vanessa Craven. I don't, I don't think there was another woman over there. If there was, maybe, but I don't remember them. So there was maybe two, maybe, I, I don't know. That was all there was. Um, I know she worked for DJ. I know we're skipping over a lot, but worked for DJ in uh, WSU, for a long time and I mean we know he was as toxic as it came because this whole cancellation came out of his treatment of the WSU girls um, you work for Twisted Tate a lot because you were with him you are his girlfriend and, and from what I heard that came apart because of the mental instability I don't know their relationship I don't know nothing about them personally so I'm just saying what I heard 
And and if that's another, hey, that didn't work out because shit wasn't going well upstairs, then, you know, again, this is another just a sign of things weren't going well. So, again, like to, to suddenly hold AEW, and from what I had heard, again, just a rumor, but rumor was that she had slept with Zandig when she was in CCW. So maybe that's false. I don't know. But, you know, CCW, again, was that a fucking unbelievable, uh, perfect work environment? There's a good handful of guys who were dead. There's two guys that robbed banks that worked there. I mean, you know, um, still waiting for the dark side of the ring. It's just early CCW because that shit is fucking rough. Um, like, where are they now and shit? Like, oof. Um, you know, so, like, I don't know that she spent a whole lot of time in amazing work environments that, like, she's going to call the one TV product out on, like, how they treated her when she didn't get a job at 40. You know, I, I think that's a little much, especially when you're working for the scumbag you're working for, and then just going to go, yeah, yeah, never mind that. But what I dealt with was, yeah, you're mad at them because they're not paying you. If they paid you and you were one of the bitches being catty to a new chick coming in, you wouldn't say a fucking thing about it. You know, it just, I think there's a lot of double standards and I think everybody trying to cancel everybody and be the fucking victim, but also be the tough guy. And then, you know, just, just keep fucking spinning the plate and just keep trying to, oh, no, I'm over here now. I'm over here now. Oh, no, I'm a tough guy. You can't fuck with me. Oh, I'm a victim. Oh, you fucked with me. Why'd you, why'd you do it? How dare you fuck with me? You know, and then on the other side, you know, they're, they're bullies again. And uh, I'm not necessarily saying that about Lefisto being a bully or anything like that, but a lot of playing both sides of the coin goes on. And, again, when Danny DeMano is the person that he is and you work for there without a problem, and you were working for Egan without a problem, I think she had a problem with him at some point, but, you know, I just, I don't see this, I don't know what went on in Shimmer or any of that shit, because I never watched a single Shimmer show, I couldn't imagine it being awesome, um, just couldn't, so, because like I said, the, the, those three that I saw wrestle, uh, SummerSlam, awesome, I could watch that any day, and if you have that athletic ability, if you have that ability as a wrestler, man, woman, anything you got, um, I'm up to watch it. I, I think that's that's great. That's talented. That's a match I can enjoy. This fucking I'm almost good enough fucking, and I'm sorry, I'm just going to throw the name out there, but Kimberly wrestler fucking, uh, you know, half of these AEW chicks, they're not that great. They're not fucking great. They're not as good as, as the fucking chicks that I saw wrestling that three-way. If all things are equal and everybody's about equality, well, if these guys were guys, if these chicks were guys in the ring and they did that same fucking slow-ass kick to the stomach or that real stupid revealing fucking uh, Irish whip and everything just looked super choreographed and a step behind, they wouldn't be in the fucking spot they're in. So to me, it's just not for me. I'm not, I, not, I never thought that there is enough women's wrestlers to put them on a show where you have a company and every month you run shows. I never thought that was a possibility. And anytime I watched like 
two or three. And half the time, that's the thing, is like, because they would have, you know, your CZW or your uh, Chikara or your Ring of Honor, and you, you'd have your women's match in there. So you'd see a lot of what you thought the top women would be because they were even being showcased on the, the, the main show and stuff like that. And and so many of those were just throwaway, like, eh, pretty good, but not, you know, not holy fuck, man. Was it, you think the main event or the women's match was the best match of the night? I don't know. Like, there weren't too many shows like that. So that's what I'm basing this off of. Not just fucking, oh, he's chauvinist or whatever the fuck. Call it what you want to call it, but I just don't find the entertainment in the majority of women's wrestling. But again, the top-level stuff, absolutely. So when you guys are fighting over these little fucking coaching jobs, over coaching, you know, I, I was Britt Baker's a coach or whatever. Come on, she can't fucking wrestle. What are we, Really? You know, like, this is the thing. is, But, like, I, I never thought Roxy Cotton could fucking wrestle. And she's a CZW trainer. I thought Sarah Del Rey was really good. But, you know, she had some injuries. And by the time she got to the point where she could go and do something, she, she went in as a coach. But, you know, in, at her height, I would love to see, like, her involved in those women's matches, like the three-way, you know. Um... You know, there's a handful of these girls that can really fucking work hard. And I'm always going to compare what I'm seeing to the people who are up top doing it. Uh, the main event status, the the match of the night. That's who you're getting compared to. And you might not like that because you, you, you're not a wrestler saying that. No, but I'm watching another one that I like. I'm watching another one that, that makes me want to spend money on your product. And that's what I'm going to compare it to. The one that, that brought me here. The one that, that has me buying your ticket. The one that, and you should be looking up to that too. You should be looking to better yourself too. But this whole thing where you just attack back at the fans and you don't know shit and fuck yourself and, you know, fucking go fucking troll somebody else. And it's like, yeah, but if you really think the height of your popularity is listening to the handful of people who don't need any any change out of you ever and think you're just the greatest... If you think that's your ceiling, I think you're shortchanging yourself. That's why I've always been openly critical about people who I liked or I didn't like or everything because, I mean, if you want the better for yourself, I think I'm the type of person you should listen to because I'm not going to bullshit you. I'm not going to tell you something just because you want to hear it. And I'm not just going to bash you for the sake of bashing you. Just really. Um, So I think she's way off. I think she's out of her fucking mind. And, and now she's just in a nonstop Twitter battle with fans and saying how she was attacked and someone sent her a rude message. Yo, these fucking, these wrestling fans are fucking nerds and they're in love. So if you speak highly against their shit, they will nerd rage. I'm saying that because they do the same shit to me. I speak highly against their shit. That's why AJ Viola nerd raged out and talked shit about me online. Because I invited him in my house, fucking served him dinner, and we watched the fucking pay-per-view together a couple nights. Because he lived fucking locally, and I was trying to be nice and just be hospitable and, yeah, whatever, you know. We would go with Jeremy to the fucking show, and, and uh, hey, you know, I rode in the car, but this guy ain't too bad. Hey, you want to come over and watch the wrestling, WrestleMania or whatever? It's probably, yeah, fucking wife makes some chicken cutlets, you know. And then, like, 
I speak fucking enough negativity against the shit he's in love with. And as soon as someone was like, fuck J-Cat, he jumped right on that shit. He's like, yeah, fuck that motherfucker. And I was like, hey, yo, like this little cocksucker. But this is what I mean, like, when you fucking talk too strongly against what these nerds are in love with, they're just going to fucking turn on you because they're in love. You're talking about their boo. And that hurts. Especially when they've talked themselves into believing this shit. You know? And that's that's something that you have to come to terms with. And you just have to go like, oh yeah, those people aren't ever going to like me. The MDK club isn't going to be like, yo, J-Cat's awesome. That's not really going to happen. But... For me to speak the way that I feel, then that comes with the package, right? Like, because I strongly feel the way I feel. But I know that there's people who strongly feel the opposite way. So clearly, we're not going to see eye to eye. Maybe some people are intelligent enough to go, like, I see his point. Like, you know, that makes that makes sense. And maybe I'll, maybe in 10 years, I won't give a fuck about this shit neither. I don't know. You know what I mean? But other people just be like, fuck that hating motherfucker, he can't even wrestle. Remember when he got scratched the TOD and cried about it? And it's like, that's, that's not what happened. But, you know, just you guys are going to have the same comebacks and the same feelings and the same vibes about me that you always will. Because I don't, I don't cater to what you like. So to me, I would just avoid listening to my shit altogether. Because, like... I don't listen to the Seahawks podcast or the Rams podcast. You know why? They do a lot of shit talking about the 49ers. So, I feel like that wouldn't be my favorite thing to listen to. Y'all motherfuckers find ways to listen to everything I say and then get really upset about it. So, let's talk about uh, Mickey Knuckles. So, Mickey Knuckles... um, her new thing, and I, I had talked about this on one of the, the previous podcasts, is uh, Cunt Monkey. That's her new thing, Cunt Monkey. I don't know what it. I don't know if she says you're a cunt monkey or she's a cunt monkey or she has a cunt monkey. I, I I don't know really what it even applies to. I know it was never like her catchphrase ever in her career that I knew of. I was a fan of Mickey. Uh, you know. I always saw her as the best female deathmatch wrestler in the United States. Um, and I don't think there's anyone even close. You know what I mean? So um, that's how I felt for a long time. Now, over recent years, she's gotten you know more leaning towards the sexuality. She's gotten bigger and leaned heavier into the sexuality. No pun intended with the heavier, but... Um, for whatever reason, she's really trying to fucking, you know, be this, like, sexual deathmatch chick. And, uh, you know, she's always going to be that that great deathmatch wrestler. So, where it might completely kill a lot of people's gimmick, it doesn't really kill hers. I don't think it helps hers either. 
but I, I don't think it kills it. And Mickey still is able to go out there and tear it up with whoever you put her in with. So having said all of that and having said what I said, um, Mickey is without a question a vet. And to say anything other than that is is very immature mindset. <clears throat> so the other thing that she's added to Cunt Monkey is wrapping up whatever promo or whatever post or whatever everything she's doing is it's all about hookers and drugs, hookers and drugs, hookers and drugs. And that's what she just says. It's her big, like, cheap pop at the end. Well, the problem I have with that is is everything I said before, that Mickey Knuckles being as talented as they go as far as a deathmatch wrestler goes, doing a gimmick that, my my opinion, doesn't really help her gimmick but doesn't really hurt her gimmick, uh, uh, gaining weight and still managing to be the best female deathmatch wrestler in the United States as far as I'm concerned. And she's nice, and she'll put someone else over rather than taking that compliment, and I understand that, and that's to be respected, but I don't agree. And I think most would, would agree with me in saying that she's still the best, despite not being in the best shape she's ever been in. And um, whether you like her gimmick or not, like I said, I don't think it helps. Um, so, she still maintains that. That's what being a vet in what she is is all about. All the things that she's talked about, that she's been through, it makes her a vet. All the, all the time that she's spent in the business, learning this, learning that, training under Ian Rotten, traveling with Ian Rotten, being Ian Rotten's right hand, and whatever else she was. Because we could spin that any kind of way. There's what Ian says, there's what she says, there's what everybody says. Uh, it, it doesn't fucking matter, but it's an experience that she went through, and it was a long period of her time and her life where she went from student to someone who stood on her own feet, who took bookings, who became the girl that people were looking for. And that's who the fuck she is. So I ain't going to listen to I'm not a vet or any of that stupid shit. Because now you're trying to play with me. Now you're trying to talk from a little girl voice. You're not talking like the woman who's accomplished something. You're not talking like the blood, sweat, and tears that you've spilled. You're talking like, Oh, I'm just a girl trying to have fun, but no, no, no. Too late for that shit. It's too late for that shit. You talked big when it came to a lot of this shit on your comeback, too. You said that you continue to do death matches because you want the little girls to know that this isn't just a man's sport. But then you added cunt monkey, and I went, hmm, that's a weird approach. And then you started adding the cunt monkey to shirts. Which, again, I just, I feel differently about an adult that walks around with cunt monkey on their shirt in public. I just do, and if you don't, then we're different, and I don't expect you to like anything I say. But if you walk around with your kids in public and cunt monkeys on your shirt, eh, I don't think it's a good look. Or you walk around in public, children are staring at your shirt. I don't think it's a great look. You know? Teach their own. And maybe it's a young person's thing where, ha, it's cool, it's funny. But I think especially once you hit your 40s, you should feel differently about a lot of the things that go on within wrestling. 
But then I also look at the people who have aged with me. You know, Mickey may not be 45 like I am, but she's got to be right around 40, and um, we're we're still there. We're still there. Where I'm looking, uh, I'm looking at that older person and going, okay, now, what are we doing? What? Why? What's with the cunt, Mickey? Like you should know better now. And I believe she has three kids, two, three kids. You know, um, she's still taking weekends and, and heading out to Danny D'Amato's house to bleed and cry in front of Deathmath wrestling fans and tell them that this is everything and this is... But your kids are at home. I understand there's some things that are worth traveling for. There's livings that are worth making. There's money that's worth investing in. But at some point or another, these, these decisions become very irresponsible, especially regularly. Um... So take that for what it is as far as the uh, discontinuance of a wrestling hobby. Because that's what it is. It's a hobby. It's not a career. It's not a fucking, uh, you know, you're not making that type of big, big money. Most most people. I mean, there's exceptions, of course. But, like, for a roster, eh, I'd say a good percentage of that is on hobby mode. And if they're not, they're failing because they they think they're on career mode and they're playing in hobby mode. And, um, you know, um, so she's out here doing this shit. Um, but then the thing that really bothered me is she added uh, that, that hookers and drugs thing. And it bothered me again because we're going to tie it back into people are dead. People are really dead. Trent Acid's really dead. J.C. Bailey's really dead. Brain damage is dead. Mitch Ryder's dead. You know, these are people you knew. Nate Hatred's dead. Justice Payne's dead. I mean, you can go down the list and keep going and going. There's going to be people you forget and everything, and there's just, just a lot of death. And that's just wrestling. You can look at the entertainment business as a whole, but the wrestling business is, man, it's heavy. There is a lot of them. And not all of them are drug-related, but I'd say everybody I named there had drug issues at one point or another. Marcus Crane's dead. Danny Havoc's dead. Z-Bar, Rockin' Rebel. I mean, these things all had uh, some connection, you know, whether it be long-term, short-term, whether the drugs helped to mask the head trauma that gave them the you know the um the the brain damage to do the things that were done to cause their death whether whatever it was drugs were very heavily involved in a lot of these these people's lives and uh, and a lot of them are gone and uh the ones i named are all gone and you know the list goes on from there as well you know and to not take these things into account when you are a fucking vet, you're a 40-year-old woman with three kids, and you walk out and decide that tonight I'm going to start getting a cheap pop because when I say hookers and drugs, the fans are going to pop because they're young and immature, and that's cool, so they're going to pop when I say that, so that's going to be my thing now, despite the fact that your friends are fucking dead. 
and you told us that you're showing the little girls something. Big smile on your face, hookers and drugs. So I think it's irresponsible. I think it's garbage. I think it's shit that I'm not going to clap for. I'm not going to applaud. When I see it mentioned, I'm going to say something about it, and I'll just be the hater. I'll just be the one who's hating because I don't want to see Mickey Knuckles dead. I don't want to see fucking someone that listened to Mickey Knuckles and thought, this is my fucking hero. You know, I I don't want to see some young girl who's going to fucking bust her ass in deathmatch wrestling. And Mickey Knuckles, Aunt Mickey says, hookers and drugs. You might be saying, oh, well, that's a joke, or that's an inside thing, or uh, whatever the fuck, but not everybody gets to hear the whole fucking thing. Some of them only hear that out of you and then carry their life on having only heard that. You know, I've been the young guy, like I said, I've been the young guy that shows up with the fucking shiny shirt on like Trent Acid. You know, um... We all bought UFOs back then and shit. You know, it's it's not far-fetched to say that someone might fucking emulate what you're up to. And to me, I think it's really irresponsible, especially knowing so many of the people that I mention on a way more personal level than I could ever know. And you, you have to fucking go to sleep at night knowing that shit. And it's that much of a joke, all this shit, every bit of this fucking life, every bit of what you're doing is only taken seriously enough to just wake up and go to sleep. You could say things that directly pertain to the reasons why your friends aren't here anymore, and it's just, eh, it's all just numb, it's all just, everything's throwaway, the abuse to your body, the abuse to your mind the abuse of the language that isn't kind to what the struggles you've been through, the struggles you've been, you know, you've talked to J.C. Bailey's father a whole lot more than I did. And I talked to J.C.'s father and it touches me a lot more to think about things like that. Because I talked to this man's father after he was dead, before his father died. And said he, he, all he ever wants is people to keep his son's name alive. And I think there's a lot of wrestlers who've shouted him out, who've given him shout-outs, and, you know, Ian named his shitty kid after him. You know, all that, but... Yeah, I don't think, like, J.C. Rotten's a great tribute at all, like, ever, to anything. Not to a J.C., not to a Rotten, not to fucking anything, but, um... But, you know, I just don't think that the tribute should end at fucking t-shirts and, and, a, and a charity show. I think you should also follow suit with trying to help this shit not become a continuous trend. Not even become. Trying to stop the fucking cycle. Trying to fucking stop the cycle. Um... So then the other thing is, is, uh, man, I don't even have time. I got like nine minutes left, but fuck it. This chick, her name is Ashley the Wrestler. Uh, she posted this whole thing about how she feels like the promoters should keep, um, her 
feelings and her dietary needs and the wear and tear on her car in in uh, in consideration when booking them? And are they taking care of all the talent's needs? Because if they're not, maybe they shouldn't be running a company. Let me tell you something, Ashley, the wrestler. Ashley, the wrestler, looks like Ashley, the toll booth collector. Ashley, the guidance counselor. Ashley, the Wawa worker. Ashley, the accountant. Ashley, the social worker. Ashley, the lawyer. Ashley don't look like a fucking wrestler on any fucking planet where I would pay to see an athlete fucking wrestle. She looks like she's 50-something years old and she's younger than me. I had to scroll back to fucking, I think, January or February to find her doing a wrestling move on her page because 90% of her page is her showing off her body that looks like a, a, not a book, not an after picture, but somewhere in the, the progress stages. Like maybe she made tremendous progress and she's really proud of her progress and that's great. But over the months of February, March, April, May, da-da, as I'm scrolling and scrolling and looking for a wrestling move, I saw the same body that wasn't done cooking all down that fucking wall, all modeling, 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 modeling. Oh, she's, what was the other thing she did? Um, cooking or, or she did some other shit. And she would, oh, painting. She would do painting. So she'd do whole videos on painting. And then when I finally found wrestling way back, it was her doing like arm drag training with someone who she was, she, she was teaching them. This is what I mean about these average fucking wrestlers who don't belong being wrestlers who get to just be vets in the business before you even know they existed in the same fucking area that they wrestled. She's not from California. She's from the fucking East Coast. And I never heard of her fucking existing until now. And now she's a vet. And she's training girls. This is what the business should have bounced the fuck out of there. And, and people who, who ran schools should have been less. There should have been less schools. Because every school that popped up and got eight fucking students in there and charged them whatever the fuck you were charging them, $100 a fucking week, whatever the fuck you were charging them, well, now you got a whole fucking ten of them. Oh, man, that looks really good. If we cut two off, we're making less money. Well, more than two don't belong here, but we can't tell them that shit. So there it is. Okay, cool. Oh, yeah, we'll put you on a couple shows after we're done training. Oh, yeah, we so then they're on a couple shows, and now they're running shindies. Now they're on shindies because shindies will book fucking anyone. So now they're doing this. Now they're doing that. And, and, it's, and it goes on for so many years that now well, I've been wrestling for five years. But all you were doing was these bullshit shindies with no matches that anyone could talk about. No one could care about a single fucking thing that Ashley the janitor fucking put on in her fucking career. There's no fucking thing that she's ever done that anyone has ever talked about. I have never seen a single clip of someone going, yo, you see this chick? Bullshit. So, these are the type of people who are entitled and looking to fucking cancel this one and that one and talk about their, their fucking, uh, their, uh, how they belong in the business and somebody else should, should fucking treat them better if they want these people to stop. End all this fucking shindy nonsense. It's mostly full of people who are not good enough to be on shows that a lot of people are watching. The biggest wrestling fans that watch all the big companies don't want to see the people who perform on shindy wrestling shows. 
Maybe it helps some guys get reps to get better and get onto the bigger shows, but it creates too many fucking entitled dickheads who just consider themselves as much of a wrestler as anybody else can be a wrestler. And now they walk around with the chip on their shoulder, they talk shit to fucking fans, and they're garbage. Full-time garbage. And that's what this chick... This is, a, this is a great example of that. Holy fucking entitlement. When you read that fucking thing, you go like, yo, who the fuck does this chick think she is? And then other people on the shindies called her out, and then, then she fucking went back at them like, she, how fucking dare you, and da-da-da-da. And it's like, yo, man, this is this, this fucking crazy, crazy thing. But like I said, everyone's a tough guy, but then everyone's a victim. And, uh... I don't know. It's just the way I feel about all this shit, you know? I hope y'all enjoy this shit a little bit. Um, back to doing whatever whatever next week. Um, try to get on here and do some more shit. I still got the content on hold with all the other stuff. Uh, I'm not looking to jump back on that treadmill right this minute. Definitely within the next week, we're going to be doing some football talk, doing some... Uh, you know, Facebook Live, Instagram Live, whatever the fuck, and just chopping it up football. I got a lot of football to talk. And as the season gears up, man, I can't imagine watching the wrestling because I am just so fucking football-centered, and uh, I am I am hyped. I am hyped and fucking ready. I think my Niners are ready to create fucking chaos in the league, and there's so many other exciting things in the league to watch. So I'm, I'm really, really looking forward to it. And... Um, I'll talk to y'all motherfuckers later. Peace. Talk to y'all later. Have a nice night. Stay dry. It's raining again. Tired as rain. Makes my grass green. I won't complain about that. That's all I gotta say. I'm out of here. I love all y'all and, uh, shit. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You've been in the gym, bro. You know why? DJ Hyde, fuck you. You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. I'll listen to your, to your podcast and I'll find everything out. You know what I mean? You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers I say that's the bad guy. So, what I make you good? Like Jesus tell me, tells me all the time to listen to what you gotta say because you be blazing people, and I'm like, well, I gotta hear it now. <laughs> you just know how to hide. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth, even when I lie. The Juza Jet Radio. Jesus! A sacred night to the bad guy. I'm going to tell you something, the motherfucking press. I ain't coming for no food.